It is an honor and a privilege to share God's Word with you, to be back with you once more, and to see the way God has blessed you. What a wonderful thing God has merged two congregations into one that were already one, just meeting in separate places. For we're all one in Christ that have trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior. Howell and someone handed out some pieces of paper with Scripture on them. Are there any left, Howell? If anybody doesn't have one, will you raise your hand? Okay. The uh, That's because... The exegesis of the main verse travels through a lot of the Bible. Actually, it travels through more than I have there. Uh, a lot of my research is in Descartes. Only I did not bring my computer because I plan on taking one back. <laughs> and uh, that word spoke to me very strongly. And since then, this is uh, kind of a work in progress. My daily devotion revealed some more to me, the Lord did, that applies to this message today. And uh, I will share that as an introduction So the introduction itself might take just a little while. But I I stay in touch with what's going on. Brother Thomas, Pastor Thomas and I communicate. Uh, I have a phone number. It's five hours different. And he keeps that in mind because he's experienced that. And uh, it's kind of this uh disconcerting to get a call at four in the morning and it's it's not four in the morning here. <laughs> but I thank you for your prayers, your prayers of faith. Just to give you a short thing that crossed my mind when Pastor Thomas was preaching. I he may have shared this with you, he may not have. But when he came We all got back to the compound, introducing each other, and some in the team were already there and hugging and, and, you know, just saying, what a wonderful thing now, we're all together. And Pastor Thomas walked over there, eased away from the group and says, "Uh, have you got that bag I gave you? I think it was a backpack or, okay, it was a backpack. And I said, you didn't give me anything. His face immediately changed colors. And he announced to everyone that all the money and all his notes were at the airport. In Senegal, that may or may not be a good thing. And so we had a prayer meeting right there. We prayed. My son-in-law... And Brother Pastor Thomas took about a 45-minute drive, got back to the airport, 
And it was right there on the side of the scanner where the two security men were waiting for him to come back and get it. But it was all there. And it was just wonderful to see what God does. I will share with y'all in two weeks some of the things that I have been allowed to witness that God is doing in Senegal and Africa. I look forward to that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we go to His Word. Heavenly Father, it is an awesome responsibility to share Your Word with Your people. For it's not just dealing with people's emotions, which it does, maybe even their health. But Your Word deals with the soul, with the innermost part of the person, with the spirit. Your Word renews, it revives, it quickens the dead in Christ through the power of Your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank You that You are a God that knows the needs of each individual here. I pray as Your Word is shared today that those needs be met. I pray if they do not know Christ, they will come to know Christ, that they will receive salvation from You. I pray if they do know Christ, that this word will strengthen them, encourage them, convict where necessary. For we ask this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The introduction of this is in Psalms 112 and Psalms 119, if you want to turn there. But if I ask you a question, do you love God? That's almost an insult. You're here. You've been here all morning. You've worshipped Him in song. You've worshipped Him in tithes and offerings. You've worshipped Him in prayer. We've had fellowship together. If I push you a little further, and I say, do you love God's Word? Again, a resounding yes, of course. I read it. I commit it to memory. I listen to it taught. I listen to it preached. Again, almost an insult. But in looking at Psalms 112, verse 1, he says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. I want you to see the chain through this now as we turn to Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 16. I would delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. And verse 35. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Verse 47, I will lift up my hands toward your commandments which I love and I will meditate on your statues. So if I persist in my questioning and I ask this, do you love God's commandments? 
When's the last time you heard someone say, boy, I sure do love God's commandments. Yet the psalmist is writing them. The psalmist is leading us to sing. I love your commandments. And this is just a few places where it shows up. And when I had my devotion, that really spoke to me because I've never heard anyone say, I love God's commandments. You think about that. The thou shalt not. There's the shalt. And we'll love the Jesus summed it up in two. We will love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, literally with all our being. And if we're truthful and honest with ourselves, we don't. We try if we're His. We literally yearn for that. Better yet, what if I asked the question, have you as a person ever said to someone else, I love God's commandments. I haven't. I've said I love His Word. I've said I love Him. I've never said in talking to someone, I love His commandments. Yet it is His commandments which made me see my sinfulness, which made me run to Christ. I should say first and foremost, almost, I love His commandments. Were it not for His commandments, I stand like Paul. Paul said that he would not really have known, I'm paraphrasing, but it was the commandment, thou shalt not covet, which got his attention. And that doesn't, has to, that doesn't deal with our, what we do or what we say so much as what we think. God enters our thoughts. The Holy Spirit convicts us. And then when we turn to Him, He comforts us. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, Paul wrote this, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. He's talking about resurrection power in His life, in our life, resurrection power, and may share His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is talking about he wants to enter into a deep, deep knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We all start our knowledge of God knowing His works. We're taught that in Bible school. We're taught that, bless your heart, teachers, for teaching the children and the young people. I still remember my primary Bible teacher to this day. I still remember that lady. And coloring something and bringing it home and showing mom and daddy. Because my mom and daddy wasn't always there in church. Thank you, parents, for being with your children here. 
I was learning his works. I learned the story of Noah. I learned the story of Ruth, Daniel, the ones the pastor shared this morning from that primary teacher. So I, I knew about his works. But knowing him is different. This is what Paul wanted to know. In the study Bible, it says, Now he trusts in Christ alone. Paul abandons all reliance on his own credentials. That I may know him, it says, This is Paul's most passionate longing. He speaks not merely of greater mental awareness. Mental awareness isn't it. But of deepening personal union of which this represents today, communion with the Lord Jesus, with each other as a body. Most of my favorite writers have gone on to glory. The ones that influenced me have departed. Ron Dunn was one of those. R.C. Sproul, many more. Dr. Jewel Kaiser, a pastor where I, one of the ones I went and talked to when I thought God was calling me to be a pastor. I, and I, I said, Dr. Kaiser, my knees still shake, and I, I, if, if I hold a paper, everybody can see it trembling. Does that ever go away? He said, When it does, son, you don't need to preach anymore. How right he was. But Ron Dunn, and studying his, and a lot of this I want you to know comes from Ron Dunn. And some from the way the Lord has led me, and some from the other authors I did not write down in this on this piece of paper. You have your copy of the scripture. We will begin the sermon with this in Exodus 33, verses 12 through 14 from the English Standard Version. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by your name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I'm going to go ahead and read Psalms 103.7 because this will all tie together in a minute. In in Psalms 103.7, we find out he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. And what that's saying is the people of Israel knew his works. They didn't know his ways. So we're looking at ways versus works. And works are good. The writer of Hebrews said, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear His voice, 
Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. See, the writer of Hebrews is carrying them right back to what, they, what happened in the desert. Where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works. There's that word again. It's, this is about works and ways. Saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now the rest he's talking about here is different than than just being in the promised land. Because Moses did not get to enter the promised land. But Moses knew his rest. So Moses' prayer request was in Exodus. In Exodus there in chapter th- uh, verse 13, God's answer is in verse 14. It seems that there's two levels of knowledge of God. Knowing His ways and knowing His works. I dare say everyone here knows His works. If we were to turn this into a time of testimony, there would be testimony after testimony of things that you have witnessed God's doing. Whenever I share my report from synagogue, it will be a testimony of what God has done. And that's a good thing. We should all have a testimony of what we have witnessed God doing. We should have a testimony in our own life of what God has done for us. Moreover, we should have a testimony of what God is doing in us. He's not a was God. He is an I am God. He is present now. He is working even now in each and every one of us that have trusted in Christ as our Lord and our Savior. The difference was brought out in Psalms 103, verse 7. Moses knew something the rest of the people did not know. There might be an exception to that in Joshua and Caleb. Certainly they entered into his rest. That was what Paul was talking about in knowing him. He just worded it a little different. Forty years is a long time to be going astray. Did you notice in Hebrews, it says they always go astray in their heart. Whenever you find out the people are entering the promised land and the first city they conquer is Jericho, and Rahab said she had already heard and all the people had already heard word of what their God was doing, how He was preparing a way for them, how He took care of them 40 years through the wilderness, which was a 40-year funeral possession. A generation had to die off before God did what He did, bringing them into the promised land. Because they knew His works. They did not know His ways. They would take things in their own hand and run ahead of God. They would take things for granted. But if you ask them about their God, that's the God that brought us across 
the Red Sea. They might not mention that God put an army of Egyptians behind them to drive them across. That's the God that turned the bitter water into sweet water. That's the God that put all the plagues on the Egyptians. That's the God that when we left, the Egyptians literally paid us to leave. They left with all the spoils. They wanted them to get out. They could tell that story. But if you ask them about this God in their life, they were grumbling people. And they were never satisfied with him. They lived from story to story. I made a note here somewhere. Yes. Yesterday's devotion. That was a note I made. Actually, it wasn't yesterday's. This was about a week ago. The saint remembers the gifts of God and doesn't require a fresh one each hour to keep his faith intact. My friend, if you don't know God, you require something every hour to keep your faith intact. You're constantly looking, searching, because His Word doesn't speak to you in the way it should, because you haven't sunk yourself into it. We'll get to that. The writer of Hebrews also said in chapter 5, verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Like I said, testimonies are good. To know His works, that's good. But the writer of Hebrews said we should be growing. We should be beyond that. It's we're still in elementary school, kindergarten, nursery. That's all we have to cling to. If we haven't learned something about his ways. Someone said, knowing the works of God makes us a testifier. Knowing the ways of God makes us a teacher. Now, everybody's not called to be a teacher, but you should be able to teach what you know. But if you're His, you do have fruit, and that fruit should be showing forth. You should be beyond the blooming stage. That's one of the things I love about Africa, all the flowers. So many trees are flowering trees. One of the most beautiful is the flame tree. It's bright, bright red, and then it gets an orange-type color. It's a beautiful tree. But all, there's so many trees in Africa, when they get through blooming, they have fruit. It's the difference between infatuation and love. When I was in the 10th grade, I walked into Mr. Humphrey's algebra class. And sitting there close to the back because her name was Westbrook was a woman I was going to marry. And I, I looked at her and said, I love that girl and I'm going to marry her. And I didn't even know her name. I was infatuated. I was in love. Different between that and love. Gradually, I found out her name. 
I thought she was dating another boy. It was her first cousin, and they were only allowed to go out if they went together when they went to the went to Meville or something like that. Uh, couldn't go by yourself. They were just, you know, hadn't been driving that long. Whenever he told me I went down to Aunt Mary's to study with Diane, I said, she's your cousin. He said, yes. I asked her for a date. Through three years, we dated and then married. For 50 years, we were married. God called her home. I was still knowing her, learning about her, who she was up to the day she died. That's the way it is with our relationship with God. It's it's that much of a difference. And the question is, where am I in my relationship with God? Am I still just, am I infatuated? Or have I taken the time and the trouble to get to know Him? Psalms. You know, the, the last question to be asked. I can't, I can't go too long. Everybody's full. And if you go to sleep and fall, I can't do what Paul did. So let's get to the last point. Psalm 77, 11 through 20, I believe you have that in your possession. And this is from the King James Version, okay? The... Um, Let me turn to it in this one too. In the English. Ah, good, I did have it marked. Psalm 77, verses 11 through 20. Because the question comes to us, how do I get to know God then? I know His works but I want to know His ways the way that Paul wanted to know His ways, the way that Moses wanted to know His ways, the ways that those in Hebrews chapter 11 know his, knew His ways. A God that He granted rest to. I want to rest in God. This is what the psalmist wrote. And again, look at the works and ways in this. From the King James, it says, I will will remember the works of the Lord. Surely, I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also of all the work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O O God, is in the sanctuary. Now, in the New English version, it says, Your way, O God, is holy. I'll explain that in a minute. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among thy people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows went abroad. The voice of thunder was in heaven. Thy thunder was in heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. 
Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. It seems that it says, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Which, when you do a search, Moses met God in the tabernacle. He met him at the burning bush. It's a holy place. Anytime we open God's word and we stand or we sit to read and study, we've entered into the holy. For this is holy. We should never take it lightly. We should never look for a verse to justify something we're doing. We should never be looking for loopholes. <laughs> They're not there. Your way is holy. But it will bring that home. This is a sanctuary. This is where we learn His way. Pastor Thomas, Pastor Tiago, Brother Howe, and others teach and preach every Sunday. His way, not just His works. They spend time praying over this congregation. Alphabetically, it's divided. This congregation is prayed for just like you prayed for me and my family. And thank you so much. In Senegal, we certainly knew we were being prayed for. But then he says, it's in the water. It's in the seas, the great waters. And thy footsteps are not known. It seems like several hundred years ago, many Senegalese, you've seen the boats, Pastor Thomas, that they have, very colorful, decorated boats. Now they run them with motors, the same design, but in the beginning they were sailboats. It seems that they found 2,000 of those boats in Brazil. 2,000. How did they know the way? How did they, did somebody make the trip accidentally and come back and tell them about Brazil? You need to go to Brazil. We need to get our families there, raise them there. It's much greener. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But if I was to tell you to go to New Orleans, and from there I want you to sail to Cuba. All you got to do is follow that boat. Well, that boat's faster than a sailboat. For long, it's out of sight. And after a while, he doesn't leave a track. There's no tracks to follow. And you're alone on the ocean. But I've given you a compass and I've given you a safety. And if you've been trained at all, what do you do? You watch the sun and you watch the North Star. And you find out what your position is. And you know where that other position is. And you sail toward it. In other words, you've got to look up. 
his ways when we look up. Studying his word, memorizing his word, a knowledge of his word is all well and good. But until he speaks to us through his word, that's all we've done. If we spend time looking up, Lord, teach me what this really means. He will. Now, until we've done what he taught us, he might not teach us anymore. Why should he? Comes down to faith versus sight. Like Abraham, Moses, Noah, Paul. Is your name included in that? Calvin, this path, thy way is in the sea, thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. I did write one name down here, Calvin. Compared it to the crossing of the Red Sea for verse 20. Thou ledest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. I pray this word has spoke to you as God has intended it to speak to you. Not as any way I intended. I can only tell you how it spoke to me. Pastor, after prayer, I turn the service back over to you. Father God, we thank you and praise you so much that not only can we testify about your works, as we all should, but you've given us a way through your written word, through prayer, through the power of your Holy Spirit, through teachers and preachers preaching in that power, to know your way. What an humbling thing it is to know your ways. For we're lost without them. We go astray without knowing your ways. We get in a hurry and run ahead of you. Or we lag too far behind you. Father, it is my prayer that this congregation, each individual will come to know your ways and bear fruit accordingly. For we ask this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.